Hi there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. Today I'm speaking with Irina Sharma. She's a Dubai-based health and wellness specialist and cultivator with decades of experience in media, communications, and PR. Irina is also co-host of the Well of Eight podcast with Dr. Nasser Al-Jafari, who is also on the Live Healthy Expert panel. And she's founder of the new Live Well with Nakheel series, which kicked off in June and continues monthly with a focus on men's health. Irina and I spoke about how she approached her own breast cancer diagnosis, why men still can't cry, and how the most important thing when it comes to health and wellness is trusting ourselves. Irina, you've got a lot of books there behind you. I see a lot of. I do. Wow. Are they all health? Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. (laughs) Are they all health books? Uh, Not really. Uh, From philosophy to health to, you know, um, my partner, he is uh, someone I learn from on a daily basis and he's an avid reader. And this is just a little collection that we put together and then tons of other in boxes right now. We don't have the space. (laughs) (laughs) I always want to get the, you know, in the movies when they have those beautiful like floor to ceiling books, I always dream of that one day. Okay. Well, it's so nice to meet you. I feel like our backgrounds are similar in a way because we're both journalists Mm -hmm. and both very interested in health and both very interested in not like the mainstream sort of where everyone is swimming in health, but the other way. And I'm just sort of curious how, how that happened for you. Well, first, thanks, Anne, for having me on board here. Um, I've heard the most wonderful things about you since many years. We bumped into each other. This was many, many years ago at one of those press conference uh, spaces. And I think it was uh, related to Viva Meyer, if I'm not mistaken. But um, how did it start? Well, um, As a child, I've always been curious, um, like all children are, and the curiosity grew uh, in nature. Um, You know, anything would happen, I would run up that tree and sit in the tree, you know, and if anybody needed to find me, they knew where I was. And um, I just related more to nature. It's, it spoke to me. I spoke to it. And I guess that's why I still don't have friends. They find me weird. But that was my, my uh, connection um, coming from the cultural background that I come from. I'm an Indian. So, you know, mom, you open the kitchen cupboard. Everything is there. You know, the pharmacy is there. Uh, dad, um, you know, he's a philosopher, his two to three hours of daily walks in silence um, made me appreciate nature and what it gives, uh, you know, and I learned um, the most beautiful language called silence through my father, you know, it was, uh, as a kid, I used to be so excited, oh, wow, I'm going to get quality time with dad and go, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that, and I used to talk, talk, talk initially, And he would just nod his head. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, am I boring? Not asking the wrong questions. But he was always observing something. 
And then I realized, all right, let me try what he does. And let me see, what, why is it every time he comes back from a walk, it's as if he's had, you know, tons of Botox on his face and he looks so fresh every time, you know? And what is it in his eyes that bring that glory? And I realized that once I started staying in silence and concentrating on breathing and looking around and seeing through the cracks of the pavement, you know, there's little green things, how are they growing up? I started asking those questions. Um, and health was something I always asked because we, I, I'm a daughter of a diplomat. So we used to have a lot of people over on a daily basis. And health was one of the most common things everyone spoke about, politics and health, you know? Um, and everyone had a different definition. This is healthy, that's healthy, but everyone had a very uh, judgmental way of speaking about it. And I come from a family where we're very non-judgmental about everything. Food was not judged on, it was just appreciated. Everything was appreciated. Um, so that's where I asked, so what is health? You open the dictionary, there's a question, you know, there is a beautiful definition to it, but yet it's, it differs, yet it's so personal. And that's where I really wanted to dive in. So I was six, I have always been a competitive athlete. And I think that also drove me closer and closer to wanting to live well, you mm -hmm. know? And uh, that's where it started at. As, and, and, and that's where I'm still trying to ask the right questions, hopefully find the right people, explore the right paths to know more. Mm -hmm. So I am pretty much a facilitator and I like being that, you know? How did you get connected with Dr. Nasser Al-Jafari? He's, he, we love him. I just saw him yesterday. He's on our, our um, expert panel here at Live Healthy. And you both uh, co-host the Well of Eight podcast and you do some really That's cool great. stuff on there and have a really cool Instagram, by the way. Um, so how Thank did you, you two connect? Um, Dr. Nas, I met him through someone when I had opened my restaurant Sesame a few years ago. Um, what we used to do there were, um, you know, it became a platform of uh, education, basically. So we wanted to bring the best minds there to talk about different things, you know. Um, he's very well known as a functional medicine doctor and, uh, you know, his approach is so great. It's a very integrative approach. And I love the fact that he has an allopathic background and has beautiful respect for complementary alternative medicine and he combines it. And he has a very open mind. So when I heard these things, I picked up the phone and I said, would you like to come and do it, a talk at the restaurant? And it was just love at first words that he was just saying, I was like, that's it, you know, he's the man. Um, we closed the restaurant down, then COVID kicked in. We always stayed in touch. I was never his patient, but um, I always stopped him for knowledge, you know, <laughs> tell me this, tell me that, that uh, what do you think of this, send me this research, you know, then, then that's it, didn't let him breathe, um, and it still happened around a year and a half ago, we were just sitting, it was one of those, you know, you know, the dumb and dumber conversation, you know, you tell me, I don't know, you, what was that cartoon, you know, you know, you go first, you go first, there was something I, I forgot when I was a kid, and that was the whole conversation, the half hour cart, uh, cartoon, so um, he goes, do you want to start a podcast? I said, yeah, I just started my I start a podcast. And it's funny because just a few days before that, I was thinking about it. I said, I want to get back to broadcasting, but I don't want to do radio, but I want to, I want to, and this was perfect because we had space mm -hmm. and that's where uh, Dr. So I, I met him around four years ago and my answers and sorry are never short and sweet. Okay. So there's always a story to tell, you know? No, so I, I love it. 
I love it. And what's interesting is we're in a weird time because there's a, I mean, there has always been a divide between allopathic medicine and complementary, alternative, integrative, whatever you want to call it. But I feel like I can't even say this, but I feel in my lifetime, the divide has never been wider, but I don't actually know if that's true because perhaps when I was a kid and there wasn't the internet and you couldn't get as much information, perhaps the divide was really wide. So I'm, I'm just saying it's wide now. <laughs> how do you, it is wide. That? yeah. How do you feel about it? Cause it's to me when I feel like the human body is so magical and so, so such like a crazy beautiful machine and it's always trying to get into balance and it hurts me when that sort of thinking is denigrated by like the allopathic side that has a lot of funding and you know I I'm my mom was a nurse I'm 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 completely respect medicine and science I love it but you know what I'm talking about like how do you sort of tread this I think um if the medical world and us as patients consumers uh, start ju- they, we stop judging it. We stop finding what's right or wrong. Um, you know, I, I think it's become human nature. We're always trying to find what's wrong more than what's right. Uh, and we're so disconnected with ourselves. And, you know, I think we got to rethink strategy here, even for our own lives is how do we reconnect with ourselves? There's been a huge gap, and I and that gap is being filled by information coming from everywhere and confusion. Um, you have doctors now who have targets in hospitals that they have to earn this much and they've got to prescribe this much. So there's so much of pressure. So I think if we breathe, make it simple for us as patients, for us as uh, you know the non-medical background people where we go to doctors, if we know ourselves better and we know what we want, it's make it, it makes it easier on the doctors, you know, then they're a little more open. And if they're not open and you don't like them, walk away. Um, the freedom that we have are choices, you know, and some choices are difficult, uh, but that is freedom. For me, the definition is making a decision, be it in our health, be it in anything. The minute you make a decision, you've got a solution. Otherwise, it's always scattered. And I think This gap is also, let's look at the doctors. They're overwhelmed with so much, be it research every single day. Really, do they have the time with the amount of pharma, the the medicines that are coming to really train themselves, you know? Um, So there's, it's just too much. So I think they also, we also really need to say what matters and what's enough, enough. Once we're able to define that, it just gives us space to breathe. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. uh, and that's how I applied in business too, you know, all right, enough. Now let's, let's have fun with what we do, not overwhelm ourselves, you know, yeah. and that's the space yeah. I believe right now it's overwhelmed. Um, and you're absolutely right. Allopathic medication or medicine or the conventional way of medicine, the budgets that they have <laughs> to advertise, it's, you know, it's quite brainwashing for, for many people, you know, um, and, 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 and I think um, this is where we've got to be smarter. And I always give this example, when you go into a supermarket, if you pick up a box, um, you know, and fine, I'm nev- I never filter myself, the Kellogg's and the Nestle's where we know what they've got inside that box, who's to blame? Yeah. The person who's buying or the person who's, who's making it, you know? I think the blame game has to be very much self-oriented and self-responsibility for me is the key to good health, you know? Once you have that, 
Yeah. I think people don't know the, like advertising aside, I don't think people know all the ways that the fingerprints are all over everything though. You know, like, I think that's something that we know. Cause I, you know, I've sat for years receiving press releases and read the press releases and then seeing that narrative sort of just repeated unquestioningly in other media. Right. So it's like, that's the thing that I think maybe people don't really know, you know, like, that's the thing I think when I talk to my friends, I'm like, but do you know that so-and-so sent this press release? And then I saw it six places just repeated and it came from, you know, it came directly from a company, that kind of thing. I don't know. What do you think? You're right, Anne. No, you're absolutely right. But I think we're really smart enough to know. Sometimes we choose not to know because it's quicker, it's easier. Yeah. It's convenient, you know? Um, if I ask any of my friends right now, you know, why do they choose to cook out of the box? It's more convenient. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, to open a box of cereal in the morning and quickly put milk in it. Now, I've got nothing against cereal. I'm not judging. But to have real wholesome, it takes time. Yeah. You've got to, you know, but everyone's rush, 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 rush. So it really starts from there you know, processing now, one can say, yeah, you've got it more easier because you have a housekeeper or no, you are married or you have kids or don't have kids. They're always excuses, Um, you know? So uh, just because it's the I'm single and don't have children doesn't mean I have more time. (laughs) I get that a lot. Yeah. I get that too all the time, but, and I get it from my own sister sometimes. Oh, you know, me too, from my family. You yeah, know, if, yeah. yeah, this is interesting. This is a really interesting thing about if you haven't gotten married, because I think you get it from outside, but you have it inside. Cause I've, I, I heard a podcast the other day and it almost made me cry. Cause it said, when you haven't had kids, you feel like you have to like write a best selling book and do 9 million things to like justify your existence. Right. It's tiring. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's tiring. And then, you know, people don't understand. So I always ask one question, hang on, before you were married and you did not have to, did you have that lifestyle? No. So, you know, it's, I think it's something we all apply and we make decisions at a very young age. You know, Um, I love sports. Um, You know, it's, it's not about losing weight. It's not about looking good. It's just who I am. You know, movement is very important. Um, so on, so forth. So I think a, what's the intention? What is the reason you do it? You know, and truly faith plays a huge role in, in health. And, you know, and you may agree on this because you cannot be forced to do something because inside you have this battle, constant battle of, Hey, no, but I don't want this. I don't want this, but it's done because this is what everyone's telling me, but everyone is not you, your Mm -hmm. body. Mm -hmm. So my best friends are my organs. My best friend is inside of me, you know, and it speaks to me and I don't curse it, mm-hmm. you know, I, and, and that's what, it, it, you know, if you have a body, you're like, oh, damn this, you know, no, I'm like, all right, so you're here, you talk, just mm-hmm. calm it down. Oh, know? I love that. And, and we all know that looking at what other people are doing, we have no context, we have no idea what's actually happening. It's very easy to look at other people's lives and think that they're better or easier. I think that's one is to look and think that they're easier. They have it easier. And that I know that takes me always down a road. That's like, this does not go anywhere. Okay. So I'm judging. Sorry, and we're all constantly judging, you know, look at when you're eating with friends. Oh no, that's bad for you. This is good. Or that you shouldn't have. And everyone is a self-profit influencer these days on nutrition. 
And I'm sorry, with all due respect, it's great to hear new things, but you know, um, where do you get, where's your source? Where are you getting all this? You know, and so this whole idea of superfoods, every food is superfood, sorry. You know, <laughs> so on and so forth. So I think that's where that simplification, um, you know, is, is what's important for me at least. So how do you cut through all the, the noise and the confusion and the, should I eat a half of a banana or a whole banana or should I be eating berries? Like, you know, this stuff, it gets so nitty gritty. I think, and we just know it. We know what's good. Um, we know when, when we are putting something down, um, it's not about the food, doing it the wrong way, eating at the wrong hour, not chewing your food in a hurry to go, da, 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 over flooding your system with things. We know it. So it's so simple. You know when you are eating something that this is not going to suit you. You know, no one needs to tell you that. And if we don't know by now, shame on us. Mm -hmm. You know, shame on us. Yeah, that that we need to know. Um, So it's not for me, it's never about the food. And this is where Dr. Harold Stassier came into my life. And I would love to uh, mention a few things. So around 16 years ago, I met him as a patient. My Chinese doctor in Dubai said, go to Viva Meyer. And I was going, Viva who? I thought it's in Las Vegas. It sounds like Viva Las Vegas. And she goes, no, in Austria. I said, okay. And I'm one of those, I don't Google things. I just go because that's when I have an open mind. You know, otherwise, sometimes when we read through too many things and we've got these preconceived questions and notions about and, you know, and we start judging inside and rushing. So I just landed there. And this was during our 45 day trip to Europe, me and my partner. And we said, we're just going to pop in and see Dr. Harold Stuss. It was a pop in for one week. I said, all right, let's do that. We reached there. It was beautiful. And then I met the man. And. My usual stuff da, 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 going on, and he's just looking at me, going, huh? And you see him piercing straight through into your eyes. And he said a few things. I just I just kept quiet and I said, Do you know my mother? I mean, have you spoken to my mom? How do you know this? You know, he hasn't even diagnosed, he hasn't done his beautiful muscle testing kinesiology. Then I lie down for an hour and he's doing this test on me. And that's it. My whole panel of things going on in my body are in front of me without any blood tests, without any x-rays. And, you know, the first question he asked me, so what are you doing here? What do you want to achieve? Mm -hmm. I didn't have an answer. I thought I knew it all, right? Oh, I know this and I know that. I'm going, uh, I'm just here. I'm curious. He goes, okay, fine. If that's what you are. Something happened in that one week. I went back after six months to spend a month with him. And it wasn't about the place. Of course, you love the lakes, the Alps and all that stuff. It was about this man where I felt everything that I was looking for in terms of knowledge, an encyclopedia was sitting in front of me. And wellness, health, because everything he spoke about was so simple. Mm. His language. His answers were in yes and no, straightforward. So, and and something, if he doesn't know, he would say it. I said, this is what I want. I want to know more. And it's funny, everything, most of the things that my grandparents or my parents have taught us, and then, you know, how we, we go into the big wild world and then we're working and we forget, or we just, we just don't care. Um, That's exactly what he brought back into my life. And the minute I started practicing certain things, be it chewing, you know, just simple thing, 
I applied it as medicine. So everything. So when someone says gut instinct, gut health, this, you know, you, you hear things, but there's no logic behind it. He gave me logic. Okay. And I got to experience it myself. So that's where the 16 years relationship were still there. I started studying, you know, um, um, at the academy. Uh, it took me many, many years to graduate uh, in nutrition, health, and, and on a few other things. And, um, and we worked together. Here we are today. You know, um, we, we brought him in for the Nikhil uh, launch, uh, live well with Nikhil and and that's it. Um, so I have these beautiful people in my life uh, who, who allow and trust me and have faith in me to cultivate wellness and health in different places in the world, you know, and that's all I love to do. Um, you know, uh, in the 90s, early 90s, and um, when I started talking about environment, people thought I was a bit cuckoo. No one was talking about plastic. You had Habiba Marashi here, who was a pioneer. And luckily with my radio career, I, I got an opportunity to be a part of it because it, you know, health, it's not about food and medicine. And it's just beyond. It's everything we look at, everything we breathe, every, you know, our surroundings at home, outside. And that's where I really wanted to know more, um, you know, in the 90s, it was uh, cancer is 95% in your genes and it's in the family, da, da, da. Now you look at the same website, it's 65% environment. Right. <laughs> right? So, yeah. And what does that mean? So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just so much, so much to learn. So you... You were diagnosed with breast cancer when you were 46 years old. And I have a couple of different yes. questions about that. First of all, when you, you know, there's a lot of people out there who live this like pristine, healthy life. And I know that they believe that they won't get any diseases. You know, I know that they, I, I hear this a lot as I'm moving around this sort of judgment of people who do get sick and you get sick because there's this dis-ease in you and you almost like it's your fault. I'm, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And so I'm wondering when you got sick, like, did you have those beliefs at all? Was it what the, the, hor the horrible diagnosis of breast cancer combined with I, but I've done everything right. Like, did you have any, all of this or any of this? Uh, not really. Um, Yes, a few people around me said, you, how could it be? You, no way, you know, I'm going, and I, and I shrug again. I can't answer all that. Why me? Where did it come from? Nothing. I don't want to go down that road. Right. Uh, it was one of those things I diagnosed myself. I felt it. Every time I felt the lump, there would be a bitter taste in my mouth. So I called a dear friend of mine. Dr. Huria Kazim, somebody I, you know, pioneered the breast cancer awareness campaign with more than 25 years ago. Um, and she knows, she calls me a voodoo witch, you know, so she goes, your voodoo-ness, honestly, she goes, and the minute she, I called her, she goes, listen, I know it, but if you're saying it, there's something, just come in, do an ultrasound. And I did it, and I knew it, because every time I press it in, there is this bitter taste. And I came back from a run and I was telling my partner, I said, I don't know why I never get a chest pain. And I said, my chest hurts. And when I felt it, I'm like, what is this? You know, and someone who's been involved with breast cancer since 25 years in campaigns, you know, everybody used to ask me, why are you doing breast cancer? I said, but why not? 
-hmm. You know, everyone gets involved usually if there's someone in the family or someone's been through it and all that. And that time I was with, I was with Estee Lauder and, uh, you know, I was connected with them and all the brands I had launched here in the Middle East. Um, and so for me, I was exposed to Mrs. Lauder um, and her, uh, you know, she was a pioneer in breast cancer worldwide. So I said, hey, in the Middle East, let's do it. <clears throat> and then Dr. Bria Kazim, the first breast surgeon. So we put it together. And here I am, 2015, I get a call saying, yep, it's cancer. I said, okay, the first thing I'm right, next flight to Austria. Um, I called my, my family and I said, my, my sisters, and I said, this is it. And they know me, I'm very focused. So here it is, here's a solution. Where's the problem, mm-hmm. right? Uh, did I ever go through any fear, anything? No, and, and everyone thinks I'm lying on this, but there was no fear. Uh, uh, for me, a cold was worse than cancer. I know that sounds bizarre, but it, it was just, all right, I've always done everything right all my life. Now, if your thinking gets cluttered, everything is a disaster, Yeah. no matter how strong your body is. So for me, thoughts play a huge role. Gratitude is medicine. All this is medicine. Breathing is medicine. So all that I've invested in since I was six, I should just let it all crumble? No. Right. You know, um, so you just go and say, all right. And I went to, again, Dr. Stosier. He closes my file and says, so what do you want? I said, what I don't want is any chemo, tamoxifen, radiation. Give me a tree of a bark to chew on. I'm fine with it, <laughs> you know. Uh, oh, sorry, bark of a tree. Uh, and and uh, and he said, all right, let's do it. And we said, let's do it. And that's it. And here I am, you know, so... Okay. Um, is it so simple for everybody? No. I have worked a lot with breast cancer patients. Uh, you know, the fear, family, this, that. And I think, I think one of the biggest mistakes the family does is they pile on. They all have their own advice. With love, care, I understand that. Yeah. But you're overwhelming the patient. Yeah. And everyone has a suggestion, right? And then tears start falling. It's okay to cry, but let the person breathe. Yeah. You know, let the person think of what they want. And so, um, mm-hmm. so you had um, you had a double mastectomy. Yes. And you knew you didn't want chemo, radiation, or tamoxifen. And what was the reason for that? Um, it's just something I've never had faith in, you know, the conventional side of medicine, I respect it. I've learned a lot from it and I continue to learn. Even a person like Dr. Nas or Dr. Stosia or all the doctors, I, they integrate things, you know, when required. Um, I've never wanted to ever apply conventional medicine when I always have found a solution with nature. Okay. Um, and, you know, I'm more connected to nature. And did you get a lot of resistance from people? And have you been called like dangerous for talking about this? Is there any of that going on? You know, a great question. Um, everyone goes, yeah, but we can't talk about it. I said, why? Mm-hmm. Doctors are practicing in the clinics, right? But why can't I say mistletoe I inject in my stomach? No, 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 you know, because yes, but the health ministry all over the world, if I look here, is allowing that practice. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm not saying do this. I'm just sharing my story. Right. I'm no one to advise anybody. Right. Right. I just, and right. if people call for advice, I can't give it. Right. This is right. what I did. Yeah. And I can put you, you know, to, and connect you to the people, but I, 
I'm the one to give advice. Okay. Somehow that's seen as dangerous now talking about your own personal experience. It's seen as like you're going to give other people ideas that they wouldn't have. And it's sort of, it's sort of odd to me because people have their own, you know, strength and power and information. I don't think anyone's going to not have chemotherapy just because they heard you or read you talking about it. They, maybe they will, but then so be it, right? If they go ahead and research it themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think uh, a lot of patients connect with me uh, just to ask, and I say, I can share my story and I can give you the connections. But, and one of the, I think the biggest challenge here is a, sometimes you've got to manage others, even if you believe in it. And that's what I did not do. I did not have to manage anyone. Right. And I've all my close, you know, circle. I said, when I ask, if I ask, open your mouth, don't otherwise. Oh, I love it. You have the right to say that. Why not? Yeah. Because I understand the love and the prayers. And I honestly couldn't have done it without that. But I know it. And, and that's where it comes back to the beginning of our conversation. We need to be connected to ourselves. Yeah. Because then when, when these things happen, you know yourself, you know what you want. And again, there are people who've done chemotherapy and they have faith in it and it's worked and great for them. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go force them. But you see, uh, the whole idea about integration is that even if you're doing that, there's so many other ways that you can help your body rebuild it and support it with whatever you're doing, you know? Yeah. Uh, of course, I pop in a Panadol once in a while and I do, I, I've done all that and I do it. Um, and, and you know what? I beat myself crazy when I do that. I'm one simple Panadol and oh my goodness, for the next 48 hours, I'm going, okay, I got to clean this out of my system and all that. So I don't want to deal with that, you know? So when, when you have their choices. What's the mistletoe yeah. you inject? This is part of your continuing post care. Yeah. So, you know, you kiss under the mistletoe during Christmas, right? So I learned this again from Dr. Stossier. Uh, so mistletoe is great to build your immune system. What we were doing was we, we weren't treating the cancer. I was working on my immunity, building my immunity to deal with whatever is happening in my body. One thing I did, Anne, which is very unheard of, is 24 hours infusions prior to, during, and post. Okay. So I got Your special drink. permission Surgery. at the hospital, exactly, to do 24 hours of my own. I, I brought these two bags into the hospital and dragged them in as if I'm moving them, you know, for a week. And uh, this was everything that Dr. Stossier had prescribed. And 24 hours, I was doing these infusions. Now, what was the reason behind this was to keep my immunity, um, you know, as, as, to the max it possibly could during the surgery. During the surgery, when we take anesthesia, everything falls, your whole body immunity system falls. So that's the time that little cell has every opportunity to trickle out and mm. go sit somewhere. And after years and you say, oops, I've got this cancer. Mm. There's no guarantees, but this was the best way I could do, you know, my preventive way of, of, of saying, all right, for the future, how can I uh, be strong and, and to just go through the whole surgery because the double mastectomy is a major surgery. Mm. You know, I wasn't against surgery. Like in Ayurveda, they saved something unwanted in your body, remove it. Mm. Okay. Right. So uh, it's, it's there. So it's okay to remove it. There were ways I did try a cream um, that over 12 to 14 days, the tumor comes into your hand. Oh. So, but because my tumor was deep, Right. Uh, I could not, if it's on the surface, you can apply the cream and the tumor comes out. 
Wow. I know. So there's just so many great things out there, uh, you know, of doctors. If I look at Dr. Stasir also, he has studied conventional medicine, then took this as a, you know, his own specialized practice. And that's what doctors do in complementary field around the world. Yeah. They know both sides. Okay. So it's possible to get this treatment and to get it in Dubai, but it's your own decision. Absolutely. It's your own. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a beautiful homeopathic doctor here who does mistletoe treatment, you know, so you just inject and um, it's a process. Everybody does it for a different time period, you know, and you've got different uh, mistletoe from the different shrubs, the apple, you know, the, the pine. So it really depends what uh, pre-menopause, post-menopause, it really depends when you get cancer. Okay. So. It's interesting that you mentioned menopause because a lot of women are abruptly thrown into menopause when they get breast cancer treatment because I guess the chemotherapy and radiation um, and, and tamoxifen and tamoxifen. So that's, a, yeah. it's, it's something that happens and then they can't take um, any hormone therapy, bioidentical or otherwise. Exactly. So there, you know, and I know there's lots of things that they can do to, so I guess because you didn't have this treatment, did that, did you not go into menopause or were you already in perimenopause? Uh, no, I didn't go into menopause because of that. I've just recently, I think last two years, because I'm 53 now. So I guess it was the right age. Um, I started getting those hot flashes that they talk about. And I'm, I'm sure you know what I'm talking yeah, oh yeah. about. You're an expert <laughs> on this, your hot flash stuff, you know. Um, and um, the vitamin C dose that I take is my chemo. So I do uh, a, over slightly over 100 grams, which takes five to six hours to finish okay. uh, every six to eight weeks. Okay. Um, and that also helped me. But menopause, I think, came, it's separate. But I do ask that question, and the certain things I go through, is it me because I had breast cancer? Or is this what everyone is going through? Mm-hmm. But then again, I don't overthink. This is something we've all got to go through. So embrace it. Yeah, yeah. Breathe, do what you best you can. Nutrition plays a huge role in this more than anything. And you know better, you know, and here we are. So, so you've been talking about breast cancer and you were talking about AIDS and HIV here, like way, way (laughs) ago when it was not like, people don't remember that breast cancer was very, very stigmatized and you did not speak about it. And people did, they ignored it and it grew and I'm curious about the AIDS and HIV too. Like what prompted you to start talking about that? So I just want to mention something on breast cancer. 25 years ago, we couldn't say breast cancer. We had to say cancer of the chest. Really? Uh, And, and, you know, I used to say, hang on, but you have a breast surgeon. I could not use the word breast and then cancer the chest. But I said, but the chest cancer is different. And, you know, so, so there was a lot of education also uh, in the system that, was required um, because again, uh, a social cultural barrier, uh, not only here, all over the world, this has happened. You know, the same process went through in the States, in the UK, in the seventies, and now we, you know, so it's it's moving forward. So HIV AIDS um, literally fell in my laps with my uh, client I was working with, Durex. Um, and every, you know, I was watching a movie and in the cinema, I saw a Durex ad here I'm going, what, they're advertising? So if they're advertising, why aren't we talking about it? I literally called them in the UK and I told them I'm so-and-so and he thought it's a prank call from a friend. He said something, oh, Kathy, stop pulling my leg. And I'm like, no, this is Irina Sharma from Dubai and this is what I'd like to do. They're like, oh, she's serious. And they're like, all right, when we're coming to Dubai, we'll meet up with you. And I went in 
And I, my, my pitch was this, Anne. So I'm a modern woman. I don't use condoms. Explain to me. Right. And they just sat there and they were all men, right? And I said, so isn't it time to really talk about it? You know, yeah. I find myself a well-educated, well-traveled woman. And, yeah. and that's where it all started. They said, what do you want to do? And I said, let's talk about, we're not talking about condoms. We're not talking about go have sex. We're talking about just like you put the seatbelt in the car, you know, uh, you take precautions and, and safety measures to secure your, your well-being. Let's educate. I didn't know that time that you can get HIV through breastfeeding. Ooh, I didn't so, know. Yeah. Exactly. There were many things and I didn't know. So if I didn't know and I thought I was quite well educated or, or, or exposed to things. So that time I was still on the radio and I still had my, um, my, 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 my PR agency and all that. So we combined together. I became the spokesperson with the Minister of Health here. We actually brought in a patient at a press conference saying, I have AIDS. And he announced it where his family didn't know. It was at the press conference, the family got to know he had AIDS. Wow. So this is where the whole thing, and we were the first company to hire someone with HIV, um, you know, because why not? Because again, when I talk about something, I've got to dive into it. I'm not just going to stay on the surface. So if I believe in something that I want to be a part of it, and that's what, so we did the first sex survey in the Middle East, uh, and, and we joined hands with the United Nations, and we realized that um, there was such a cultural, social um, understanding, a uh, gap of understanding of, of condoms and, and education on HIV and AIDS. Everyone thought HIV and AIDS is the same thing. Mm. So I worked with people like Missy Elliott, who had performed here, um, and she has supported MAC, uh, you know, for their AIDS campaign, Elton John and all these people. So we, we came together and did a series of activations and, and yeah, that, that was brilliant. And we continue to do so uh, you know, a little, little splurge here and there and pop-ups. So. And now you can buy condoms in the gas station. That's one of the things I, I mean, exactly. so when I moved here, I thought that's my gosh, like that's more ahead than in Canada. When I came, when I arrived in 2008, I, I thought that was amazing. <laughs> but that's the thing. And see, everything is, is being sold here. So, and then everyone said, Irina, you're going to get deported. But I said, what am I doing wrong? Right. So where, where is the, I, there was no lines I'm crossing here, you know? Right. I just, this is education. And thanks to Durex, honestly, Anne, you know, we, we did wonders and, um, and, and, and it was fantastic. Um, but it's you know, beautiful. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's beautiful because two yeah. things that you just decided to speak about. And I know I've heard that so many times when people say, oh, you can't talk about that. Oh, you can't talk about that. And I've said, I don't think that that's true. I don't, I think it's the way you talk about it is, is absolutely difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is a I think Anne, anywhere place. in the world. Yeah, you've got to respect the culture. You've got to respect your boundaries. We can't expect certain things in certain countries. It's, you know, you just got to respect where you live. It's the yeah. environment you live in and approach it that way. Yeah. Uh, even environment at that time. Oh, no, no one's talking about plastic bottles. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, but, but, but what's, what's wrong with that? So that was the whole thing, that story of I'm a six-year-old girl. Everyone's going left. I'm going right. What's wrong yeah. with that? Yeah. There's nothing it wrong with it. It's not, I think people think you'll be seen as critical when you're talking about it. I had an environmental column in like 2010 and everyone thought I was crazy, but 
and I, I'm like, it's not criticizing. It's just speaking about it. And then what the more you speak about it, then the more people. So I think that's really interesting that you went ahead and did that. And that people said that. Too. Thank you. Thank so, you, Anne. And, and that's why I'm enjoying this conversation with you, because I've let, read so much, you know, and, and you've done such great work and you are even on menopause. People are not talking enough, you know, so I'm, I'm so happy and, and proud. And I hope I can be a part of it one day. Of you course know, you can. People are talking about menopause now and they're talking about it in the Middle East. It's crazy. I'm going to write an article about it because um, I'm seeing like Tena, Tena Middle East has done these, this ad campaign. Abu Dhabi has a menopause clinic. Like I'm seeing it all over the place. And I did not expect to see it here. You know, when I started talking about it, it was, it, there, it's further ahead almost in, in some ways. You know, I want, I want to share two quick things. Um, uh, there was a talk I was doing, I think, around a year ago. That time I was still having some hot flashes. Then I did some acupuncture and the hot flashes went away. So um, I and I was at a talk and I was sweating and somebody says, oh, my goodness, are you nervous? I said and then I said, I said, please, everyone, the sweat is not nervousness. It's called menopause. And they all before they could burst out laughing, it was like, how could she say that? You know, and there were a lot of men, and then ha, 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 ha. I said, Yeah, so I, I said, I'm not nervous. This is called menopause. You know, I was drenched. And the second time, I and the thing I want to share is uh, there was a lady who walked up to me. I remember, so because I've done complementary medicine treatment with uh, breast cancer, she said, When you get it back, what are you going to do? Mm. I'm like, Wow. Mm. And I said, You're God. I said, I finally meet God. Thank you so yeah. much. You know what's going to be you know what do you say you cannot say anything because I know clearly that person is not open to a conversation of hearing anything mm -hmm. they've already got this perception about oh oh she's going to get it back because she did this and then I've had someone tell me uh, Steve Jobs got it back because he did alternative but what are you people talking about everyone you know? knows such a small <laughs> amount exactly. of the story right they know just like a little fraction yeah yeah. So, you know, there's there you get those odd questions and, and then you just move on. And, um, you know, and somewhere, some that round, you just pray. That's it. You know. <laughs> OK, so just to wrap up, tell me about the series you have with Nikhil about men's health. This is really cool. Just tell us what's going on. And um, so, yeah, uh, Live Well was something I, I created a few months ago. And then I approached Nikhil uh, and it was the right time. Man, and Nikhil just said, hey, we would love to bring well-being into the community. And this is the direction they've been wanting to move in. So we joined hands, we partnered up. So that's why it's Live Well with Nikhil. And I, I truly wanted to do it during the International Men's uh, Health Awareness Month. Because again, and something I started in 2014, and it's still people are not talking enough. Um, it's very unfortunate we all wake up during that uh, month or that day but it's okay because if that's what brings attention to start the movement, you know, why not? So this is something I, we, on Wellevate Life podcast also, we dedicated the entire month and every month now we still continue throughout the year to do a men's special. Um, we brought in, uh, you know, Dr. Stoss here to talk about men's health, um, you know, on the basic thing, why men don't cry, you know, mm. what is the pressure on men? So forget about everything else. Do we ever understand why? When I was growing up, I wanted to be a boy because I thought boys are stronger because they don't cry, mm -hmm. right? So I bite my tongue until today, and I'm being trained how to cry because I don't know how to cry, right? Wow. I hear the most uh, traumatic uh, news and I don't cry. Wow. So yeah, I don't. When my father passed away, I never cried. 
right? Because I wanted to show strength. So I've always related not crying as strength mm -hmm. when I've realized that, oh my goodness, it's calling, causing so many problems inside mm -hmm. of me, you know, mm -hmm. be mental health. And mm -hmm. that's why, what about the men? So on such a small thing where people go cry, what are you talking about? Think about it, mm -hmm. right? The social pressure, the, the cultural pressure, the, the gender problem. So I'm talking gender and health. Yep. They're two different issues. You know, erectile dysfunction is something different than the, the gender aspect of men. And that's what the men's health. So Nikhil, um, you know, came on board and here we are. So every month now we're doing different activations of talks, different topics. On July 30th, it's the duo, Dr. Nas and myself, the well awake duo. And we're talking gut health. Uh, apart from these monthly talks, we are uh, going to publish a cookbook for the community. Uh, we are going to be doing a lot of workshops. Uh, we're doing care caregiver workshops because, you know, Anne, look at it this way. Many of us have housekeepers, right? We buy the best ingredients, but they're not trained how to apply it. Mm -hmm. So there's a gap in the nutrition here, Okay. you know? Yeah. So how to cook, what to do, prep, everything is what I want to bring in, you know, uh, there's a huge gap. Um, and many other activations. So, you know, this, this is something with Nikhil, it's going to be a very, very long term um, bringing a community. Can you imagine having access to a community to bring in well-being? I mean, what more can one ask for? You know, oh, this is great. And with men's health. So I'll put information in the show notes of how people can engage and gut health. I mean, Thank that's, you. that's a great that's it. I always associated crying with strength too, but I cry a lot. So I thought I wasn't strong. <laughs> no, uh, the no, that's the thing. Yeah. Then you get, you judge yourself. I feel, oh my goodness, I'm vulnerable. Yeah. And my whole, I get a headache when I cry yeah. because that's how much I want to release. And yeah. this also Dr. Stossier, this was one of my cancer treatment cry. Really? Release it. Yes. So what he taught me was how to sleep better because I, I was the type I can function without sleep. I don't need coffee also. I'm not all wired up all the time. Yeah. And so sleep, chewing, you know, crying, breathing. That was my treatment. Sleep, chewing, crying, breathing. Okay. That's a really yeah. good <laughs> Nothing controversial about that. <laughs> Nothing controversial. I mean, ask yourself, and how many times in a day do we ask ourselves, are we breathing right? Right. Right. We don't. Okay. Let's ask ourselves three times today. Are we breathing right? Yeah. Okay. Right. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You know? I just appreciate talking oh, to you so much and the work you've done. And I hope we talk lots again because you have. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. Look forward to it. Thank you for your time. Have a great day. You too. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.